Welcome to the Primal Canadians podcast, where you can learn how to solve sophisticated problems with primal wisdom. And now your hosts, the Primal Canadians. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Primal Canadians podcast and today we I'm excited. You know why TK? Why are you so excited? Because we have our second ever guest on the show. Awesome. Her name is Erin Power with Eat Simple. She is a fellow Primal Health coach, so we thought she'd be an amazing fit for the podcast. Erin and I met a few years back at Mark Sisson's house in Malibu. Today, Erin is a wizard at improving metabolic function to feel better, lose weight, and create freedom from food by metabolic miracle. So in this episode, we're going to talk a lot about some tips and tricks you can do to optimize your metabolic function, feel better, and avoid uh, injuries and illnesses uh, with age. So without further ado, let's dive into it. Meet Erin Power. So the first question I'd like to ask you is... uh, how do you integrate the primal lifestyle or the 10 laws of the primal blueprint into your lifestyle? That's a good question. Okay. So it's funny because when I went primal a long time ago, I don't think I necessarily, I don't think I necessarily connected to the 10 laws kind of in that way. Um, mm-hmm. I really resonate resonated with the food stuff. Uh, so, you know, avoiding poisonous things that made a lot of sense to me. So I, and, and to be honest with you, um, the avoiding poisonous things piece is probably the one that I connected with obviously the most, the most closely. And when I go yeah. through my life, when I'm thinking about, you know, eating food and doing anything, doing anything really, it's like, is what I'm about, is what I'm about to do going to potentially harm me. So for an example, this isn't necessarily like eating a poisonous thing, but a couple nights ago, I stayed up way past my bedtime to finish a project. And while yeah. I was doing that, I was thinking to myself, this isn't, I don't usually do stuff like this. Staying up past my bedtime isn't something that I would normally do. This is really, you know, once in a while, it's not a big deal. And the next day I was so, just so dragged out from having done that. It was kind of like staying up late was a poisonous thing that I knew better to avoid. And I decided to do it anyway. Right. Yeah. That's one that I definitely do. Now, um, apart from that, I, I love to move. Movement is a really big part of my day. But here's my deal is that I don't get too fussy into like obeying rules. In fact, obeying rules is kind of something that I don't like doing. So what I like to do is, yeah, I like to take the concepts generally and put them into my life um, um, in in a really simple, easy, breezy, doable way. But really simply, I don't I don't eat grains. I haven't touched really grains in 10 years best decision I ever made by the way I mean seems hard when yeah. you think about it at first like how am I going to do this you guys know super easy actually oh, yeah tons of great food well. um you know I really commit to sleep I really believe and commit to stress management as much as I can yeah. um and I do commit to movement and you know sprinting lifting heavy things and moving frequently those are the ones that definitely I I link up with um religiously at this point yeah because yeah. man, I've never felt so good. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. I, I love that you said, I, I think the number law number two, the avoiding poisonous things is so crucial, especially this day and age to recognize because there is so many poisons like uh, staying up late, especially working on a project. Uh, you probably were working on a computer. Mm-hmm. I, when, when I first learned about this blue light and you know, reprogramming my genes and, and all the toxicity, all the toxic things around it, 
I really was tuned into that as well. And I found that a few times how groggy I was in the morning too, when I stayed up past dark, um, looking at a computer or, or any blue light, how much it would drain me the next day. Cause you just don't get that proper sleep when that happens. That's right. And the other thing too, is that this idea of like, this idea is really neat to me, this idea of down regulation of sensitivity, because I yeah. think about all the times in my life where I did stay up I mean, for most of my life, for most of our lives, you know, we, you watch TV before you go to bed or whatever. Right. Mm. Um, or just, you know, burn that midnight oil on some work project staring at your computer. And it's like, well, I guess I'll go to bed now. And you wake up feeling kind of like, eh, but you just, you think that's just part of waking up or just part yeah. of getting old or just part of the hustle of life. Yeah. Uh, the first time I ever started, the first time I put on a pair of blue blocker glasses just to try it, because I, I never really stepped into the biohacker, biohacker sort of realm of yeah. ancestral. It just, I was so simple about it. I was just like food food movement boom. But the first time I, I, I brought home a pair of blue blockers from Paleo FX conference and I was like, oh, let's give this a whirl. And the sleep I had that night was legendary. And Dude. to this point, it's a non-negotiable. Yeah. But now I wear them all the time. So the other night when I was working hard, I didn't wear them for some reason. I was just like blue light into my eyeballs until 1230. And I don't even doubt that's the re one of the reasons why I felt so bad the next day. First of all, just not enough sleep. Secondly, probably I was stressing before bed trying to finish a project. And thirdly, yeah. blue light. Yeah. But now my sensitivity to it is re-upregulated. I'm just more sensitive, yeah. which sounds, it doesn't sound like a good thing. It sounds like a bad thing. And I've had clients say to me, like, Aaron, I, I wasn't sensitive to dairy until I met you. It's like, no, no, no. You were always sensitive to dairy. You <laughs> yeah. just notice yeah. it now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or they took it out for long enough to, for the immune system to start like uh, recalibrating and then all of a sudden it gets it again and then it's like tenfold. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the re-upregulation piece is, is actually pretty cool because there's something about that where it's like connecting back to the real like the real brass tacks of like cellular biology and microbiology, biochemistry. And it's like, whoa, we really are just animals, right? We really are just animals. Yeah. We're designed to survive. And we've been trying to micromanage it and like square peg round hole our animalness into this modern culture. And it's just like, you know, get, you can get a little dorky as I know that, you know, but for me, when a client or anybody has an experience where, man, I really noticed that X, Y, Z made me feel, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah. great. Oh, you're noticing things again. This is amazing. You know, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's the most important thing I think about the primal lifestyle or or health in general is just being able to uh, access that intuition to be able to uh, to figure out like how things affecting you or how you feel because we're so we're so much this day and age is like how what's research saying um, what um, you know like really outsourcing like what can we find about this information what's um uh, what does it say about dairy and the right apps or whatever as opposed to like how does it make you feel or, mm. or how, what is it doing to you when you're consuming it or getting around it yeah yeah it's i mean there is too much information and you can see that when you talk to people because they're going to come at you with really specific questions about something dairy or mm. keto or intermittent yeah. fasting and it's like what do you think about intermittent fasting it's like I'm going to need a lot more context before I can answer that question for you. Like there's tons of yeah. nuance there. It's not just like, boom, here's my answer. And yeah. people are bewildered because there's too much information. Um, yeah. I really love helping people step out of that bewilderment, out of that information overload. And just like you said, 
my favorite thing is that intuition, that intuitive piece. It's the gift. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. What about you, Lucas? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's pretty incredible what happens when we when our bodies get clean and we start to see the signals or we start to be able to interpret the signals that we're getting from our own bodies. Um, I had that experience where like last year my food was out of control and I didn't really notice how bad anything made me feel. But um, after I got clean and I, when I would venture into trying bad foods again, I would realize like right away how bad I felt. And I thought that was really cool. It's like everybody's going around with their their own internal alarm systems disabled because they're being bombarded by signals from their body all the time. They just, they generally feel crappy all the time and they don't have any idea why uh, until, yeah. until they clean up and then they can start to identify those signals and those messages they're getting. It's pretty cool. It is cool. It's neat to, it's neat to educate people on that too. Like, you know, your immune system is just really confused right now because of the, some of the stuff you're doing to it. So if you just step away from that stuff, your immune system can retreat back into its little bunker and then your whole life kind of changes. You start to feel better. You can respond better as well, by the way, to actual illnesses and assaults. Um, I actually have, a, I have this question that gets, I get from people, friends, clients all the time. Um, if I was at a party and all there was to eat was either some really carby food, like, I don't know, a bowl of potatoes. <laughs> That'd yeah, be a weird yeah. thing to have at a party, but you know, carby food or, yeah, yeah some kind of inflammatory food like crackers or bread um, or, you know, junk food, like whatever. Yeah. Which would I choose? Would I choose the inflammatory food or would I choose the, the metabolic blowout? And it's like, no question. I, I know my metabolism can handle carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. That's not a yeah. problem, but I'm not going to do that to my body. I'm not going to put those really poisons into my body because I don't want to inflict that harm. That inflicts harm. Potatoes, carbohydrate, even though carbohydrate has been quite villainized a lot lately in the, in the, popular culture my body can handle it but yeah, my body yeah. can't handle those poisons and i just don't want to do that to myself yeah yeah you're totally right and i, th I think we look at it a lot from like a little bit too much on like uh carbohydrates uh, bad carbohydrates it's it's really is the toxins that we have to identify if there's something toxic in there like a like a glyphosate or gmos like our body really doesn't like gmos and that's i think where the real harm is it's not just the fact that it is a carbohydrate most of the time it's more of the added things or the g uh, the gmo that we've done to it yeah that really makes it harmful or toxic mm -hmm. so what, what about i want to go a little bit deeper into this because it's such an important topic the toxic the toxic things and i know it's not just about food so we notice we recognize blue light uh, often like toxic relationships and then there's um, like mold in the environment or some other type of uh, toxic exposure, um, like radiation. Do you see that a lot when you work with people or how do you how do you address that or how do you even troubleshoot it if you don't know their home environment? I feel unqualified at this point to talk about this stuff. But what I what I know is that I need to I need to level up my knowledge because a couple of years ago, when I went to, you know, these big conferences, these big sort of paleo primal ancestral conferences, we were all talking about, you know, we went, th went through, like, it goes through phases. First, we were talking about insulin, then we were talking about gut health, then it was sustainable agriculture. And now it's like EMFs. <laughs> it's like, ooh, okay. 
something that I never really thought about. And, and a lot of those things aren't things I thought about until they were kind of put in front of me and, and, and everybody's talking about them. And so I get a little nerve. I get a little scared, you know, because they're, they, these, as an example, just using EMFs as an example, electromagnetic frequencies, like I'm surrounded by them right now. Right. I am surrounded by them right now in my office here. And it's like, damn it, this is, this is actually affecting my mitochondria. Like, I don't want to affect my mitochondria. I love my mitochondria, you yeah. know? So it's like, and there's so much, you know, like the thought leaders talking about it can, can shift so wildly from being very deeply scientific to being so woo woo uh -huh. that it's hard to like find a sensible place to land. And it's also yeah. really hard to find a sensible place to say to people like, look, I'm going to need you to stop uh, talking on your phone. You're going to have to put your, your wireless or your Wi-Fi router to sleep every day. You know, like, yeah, I don't think yeah. that's even realistic for most people. I, to be honest with you, as much as I hate to say this, I wouldn't be able to do that. I have to be like loaded up with tech all day, yeah, every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it's become an area like the toxin area in general is one that I've, I've had my head in the sand for quite a long time because yeah, it's yeah. like, there's so many things for us to focus on. To be honest with you, I'm going to close the loop on this line of thinking, but yeah. my company is called Eat Simple because of the fact that there's so many things to worry about. I just wanted to simplify it down to food for people. Yeah. Just like, let's start here because it's a big needle mover. Mm -hmm. And if I, and so in my practice, I don't necessarily layer in these other things um, because I don't want to get to a point where I'm now part of the bewilderment problem. Yeah. That being said, these threats are all really real. So I'm kind of like stuck between I'm in limbo between like wanting to know more but like not wanting to know more do you know what i yeah, mean yeah right i totally get it i've when i actually felt the exact same way when i first heard it it takes a little bit to sort through the information because it is so overwhelming uh, when i first heard about it i was like holy when i was learning about emfs i was actually hearing about it on uh it was the evan brand podcast i forget who it was on i think it was daniel debown was talking about it and he was talking about like the different types of EMS and the different strengths of EMS. And I was sitting in my car. I had my Bluetooth on, my cellular data on, and uh, my Wi-Fi signal on. And I was connecting with Bluetooth through the car audio and was listening to it. So I was like maxed out with all these EMFs. And I was like, holy smokes, really? Like, is this, is this what, am I like microwaving myself right now? <laughs> so I was pretty overwhelmed when I heard it. So and it took me a little bit like to kind of sort through it and yeah now now it's now when I coach people around and it's just like what can you do to mitigate it like in the evenings like turn your phone in airplane mode take it out of your bedroom just stuff like that. I did that. I took it at my phone out of my bedroom. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of reasons, not not just because it was probably you know frying my brain from all the the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth, but the cellular, but also because it's it was a, became a really bad. Uh, sleep disruptive habit for me to have my phone in my bedroom. I mean, I wasn't too bad about looking at it before bed, but I, the first thing I would do in the morning when I, when my alarm went off is I would reach for it. And then just like, I think I'm being productive. I'm checking emails. I better check in on the Instagram feed. I better check in on the Facebook feed. And I would lie in bed for a long time, staring at this thing and not doing anything really productive or good for me. And so I took it out of the room for that reason. I don't know if it's just placebo, but I felt like I, I've been sleeping better since then too. I don't know. Yeah, Who knows? Yeah. I want to know more. I, I like somebody hooked me onto this book called the tinfoil, the non tinfoil hat guide to EMFs. Have you guys heard of that one? So it's supposed to be this book that um, 
brings it down to like user level. It's like, okay, okay. let's just let's just clear the clutter. Here's kind of what these these frequencies are doing. Yeah. Uh, here's some great yeah. simple tech techniques to to mitigate them. And so some of them are so interesting to me and I almost struggle with believing them. Like the idea of grounding, like getting outside and putting your feet on the ground is supposed to like draw all the, this charges out of you into the earth. And it's like, okay, well, I understand the concept of grounding from, from an electrical charge standpoint, but is that really real? And, you know, I remember last year at Paleo FX, I shouldn't, last year at Paleo FX, um, Dr. Mercola was doing a lot of speaking there. Yeah. And he wouldn't wear a microphone. <laughs> because the wireless mic, he's like, I'm just going to shout. And he's like, and also, if you could turn down those lights, yeah. <laughs> so he's yeah. in a dark room shouting at people at a conference. It's like, wow, yeah. okay. It's pretty serious he's, business. He's, he's like taking it to the extreme at the conference, I think, just so people understand. Probably. Maybe. I don't know, but like, what's the right level? What's the right level? Like, this is the idea. This is the whole thing. What's the minimum uh safe dose of ems right like right, is yeah. it the kind of thing and that's what i, I don't know like mm -hmm. is taking my phone out of my bedroom enough or is all of this tech that's sitting in front of me right now just undoing that eight hours of tech you know tech free yeah yeah you know i, I just I, I think i think it's just go into nature once in a while and disconnect from everything uh mitigate it when you sleep i think that kind of stuff is you're doing so much alone and you know if if you still have if you're already doing that and you're still facing like issues or health challenges then maybe start looking in other areas because you can't really like over uh you know over obsess about something either yeah at some point all of these health interventions become overwhelming if we if we feel like to take them all on right and yeah. And then, and then you just become paralyzed just by like over information. So there's, it's, there's some, I don't know, there's something to be said about drawing a line and saying, I'm willing to go to here for now. Yeah. This is, I'm going to stay here. And then once this is really comfortable and intuitive for me, I'll explore that. That was like me with the blue blockers. It was like, I was a late adopter to blue blockers big time. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, I'm ready to try that now. And I tried it. And it was like, okay, good. And you know, it, tiny little steps. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think another big part is like, if it's actually causing stress on your life to, to have to do it, then it's not going to be, it's not going to have a positive, you know, it has to be like relatively easy to do because if it's disrupting your whole, your life cycle or whatever, then it's going to just cause too much stress to try and implement it. I think that's often overlooked. The, the self-imposed stresses from trying to be really healthy, you know, people yeah. stress about their health and it's like, stop it. Yeah, we don't yeah. want you to be piling stress on yourself. We're trying to manage your stress and it's not a big deal. Like that's a phrase I think I use in my practice probably 10 times a day. It's not a big deal. Not you, a big deal. you had ice cream last night. It's not a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stay up past your bedtime. It's not a big deal. Like nothing's really a big deal. Just mm -hmm. like make the next best step, next best choice next time. But that's not a big deal. And, yeah, you know, yeah. taking the burden of stress off people, you know? Yeah. That's so cool. I, I like how you coach that. That's that's so important because people always come and say like, oh, you're not going to like what I had last night or you're not going to like what I did last week. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't matter. Like what, why did you do it? Or what did you, what did you get out of it? Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Let's have the full experience of it. Yeah. Happen. It's not a big, it's not a big deal. <laughs> and yeah. what was it like? Was it really satisfying? Did it light you up? Oftentimes it didn't. And I'm like, not really. I don't know if it was really worth it. And it's like, well, that's okay. Now you know. Great. Yeah. It's a learning experience. Let's move on. Right?
Awesome. I love that. <clears throat> well, being that you're an expert in the food part, uh, Lucas and I love talking about food on here as well. So uh, let's go a little bit deeper on that. Um, the question I'll ask is, what are the three biggest mistakes that you see uh, generally people making that are struggling with their nutrition? Okay. Number one is going to sound a little weird. I don't no, it's not going to sound weird. You can edit that out, Luke. Uh, talk, uh, Luke. Um, here's something that I see all the time when I'm working with clients. Um, we have this tiny little breakfast, protein bar, snack, minuscule, pathetic salad with salad dressing on the side for lunch, mm -hmm. snack, handful of nuts, little apple yogurt. Then we go home, we have dinner. <laughs> we have this huge dinner with our families, which culturally is a thing. And then it's like snacks in front of the TV and then it's bed. So this, this is an upside down circadian meal rhythm as far as I'm concerned. Like I really, I really geek out on some circadian, circadian biology. It's one of my, my current areas of like geekiness. Well, to be honest with you, I hooked into the circadian biology thing like a decade ago. And I thought it was the neatest thing because again, mm -hmm. I like thinking about us as animals that simplifies it for me. And I'm, I'm a crazy pet lady. So I love animals. Right. And I always think about, all of my animals that I have around me. And it's like, this is what cats do. This is what dogs do. This is what horses do. This is what humans do. And it's like, oh, it simplifies it for me. And circadian wise, we're diurnal. So we're the opposite of cats where we're awake during the day. And it makes a lot of metabolic sense that when we, when we rise, like in the daytime, we need to kind of fuel the day ahead of us. Right. So this is that whole idea around early time restricted feeding. And there's tons of research to support that. And I'm really into it. And I've seen yeah. it work well for myself and for a lot of other people. So what I try to do with this, this kind of like, this kind of like narrow top wide bottom feeding schedule is I flip it upside down. It's okay. a little proprietary kind of eat simple thing that I take all my clients through. It's like, I look at their intake forms and they give me a snapshot of their day of eating and I'll say, guess what? Your eating is upside down. We'll just flip it on the, the other way around and it'll feel a lot better. Yeah, yeah. And people hook yeah, into yeah. that immediately. And it seems like a strange thing, but it's, pretty crazy game changer. Yeah. Um, so that's one, that's one thing I see all the time. And when I see that on an intake form, it's like, Oh, I can't wait to help yeah. this person like, feel it, instantly it makes, better. It's total sense to me. Like there's so yeah. much, especially when we talk about weight loss, people are scared of eating almost. It's like, oh, I don't want to eat too much. And I hear that. I hear that over and over again, like about how much somebody had for dinner. It's like, yeah. well, was it healthy food? If it's healthy food, you can eat more and you'll feel better. It doesn't really matter how much you're eating. If you're eating more healthy food, then you'll feel better. You're doing, you're fueling your body uh, for, for better performance, for being more healthy. Yeah. The other, the other thing to that too, is that whenever I tell people this, oh, we're just going to flip your, you're eating upside down. So you're going to really open the day. Whenever your first hunger shows up in the day, you're going to like answer that. And they're like, but I'm not hungry in the morning. It's like, well, of course you're not. You're having a giant feast before bed. But you just wait a couple days and in a couple days this really sorts itself out you're going to wake up hungry now here's the beautiful thing you wake up and you're like oh i'm hungry then you answer that hunger with like really nutrient dense amazing whole foods that's actually beautiful that is a beautiful that's a beautiful thing like i achieved hunger i answered hunger i satiated hunger i supported yeah. myself through yeah. a natural hunger signal we've actually lost touch with hunger yeah when somebody I, says I, to me 
when people say I'm not hungry in the morning, it's like, you just, you just don't even know what hunger feels like, but you wait because I'm going to make you feel that. And then once you feel that and you feel what it's like to answer, you're going to feel so blessed. I always feel blessed when I, when I achieve a real hunger, like I break fast most days around 2 PM Mm -hmm. and I'm like, Ooh, I can't wait to eat that ribeye and those eggs or whatever it is I'm going to break fast with. And I feel like lucky. Like I'm so lucky. I get to do this. I get to answer my real hunger with real food that satiates me. Ah, and you know, obviously we're kind of dorks and our clients aren't there yet, but they do get there. It doesn't take long, but it's that, it's that first connection to hunger that makes them realize that they're actually animals too. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool actually. Yeah. I've, I've never, I've never realized that part before. I, I thought most people wake up hungry. (laughs) I know. No, they don't. They don't because they're, I think there's a couple of programming. It's like, because they eat a big dinner before bed. Also, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's just, I mean, there's just confusion in programming. So that's one yeah, of I, the three. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I like, I really like how you said that confusion in programming. And yeah. it's, uh, it's the way we're, we're meant to, th- the way we're taught to think and the way that um, societal things that are going on. And also like the way the food is engineered, like most of the junk food or the prepared food is specifically engineered to make us more hungry. So we have a little bit of that granola bar and naturally it's going to make us hungry because of how it's made. Yeah. Well, and the other programming thing is interesting. Like it changes, this all changes like all the time too, because I'll take on a client who will say to me, I'm not really hungry in the mornings. I'm like, yeah, I know. I hear that a lot. And they'll say, by the way, I read an article that skipping breakfast is supposed to be good for you. It's like, you know what? forget that (laughs) you have zero connection to actual hunger at this point. So we're going to forget that article you read. I want you to do this for a while. I want you to do this for a while. This, this, this shape, this opening the day with a big meal thing, try it, do it, do it for a while, connect to hunger. Once you've connected to actual legitimate hunger and you know how to answer it, then we can explore skipping breakfast, but you can't like reverse engineer like that's what they're trying to do. They're like, I don't wake up hungry. I just want coffee. Oh, and there's an article that's, that sort of supports this. So we should, I'm just doing that. Yeah. I'm just intermittent fasting. It's like, no, you're not. You're just, you're completely just metabolically broken. And we need yeah. to fix you before you step yeah. into intermittent fasting. Let's get this dialed mm-hmm. in. Right. Yeah. Just, okay. So just totally putting out your fire. Yeah. The metabolic fire. Yeah. Awesome. So what, 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 what is the second big mistake that you see? Hmm. Let me think. Well, I see people. Okay. This is going to sound a little polarizing, so I apologize, but I do see people gravitating toward plant-based proteins more and more and more, which, Mm. and and doing it because they've been led to believe it's the, the right thing to do for themselves and for the planet. Right. And, um, you know, never mind the whole the whole rabbit hole we could go down about commodity crops and monocropping and plant agriculture yeah. and how it's pretty pretty bad actually for ecology. Yeah. Uh, and also how good uh, livestock agriculture is for ecology. Let's never not even bother going down there. But it's like these people are kind of w- wasting away health wise mm-hmm. and like their health is wasting away, but their their waistline is expanding because they're choosing these safer, healthier more altruistic proteins that are just continuing to inflame them, continuing to kind of progress their metabolic dysfunction. Um, What's really interesting though, is that when I tell people like, you know what, I, 
I, I acknowledge you and appreciate that you're, you're, you made that choice towards soy and tofu and what have you, beans and legumes. I appreciate and acknowledge that you made that choice because you were led to believe it's healthy. But I'm here to explain to you that there are some elements to those proteins that are health detracting, they're anti-nutrient. So what I'd rather have you do is consume some animal protein and here's why. And if they have questions about cholesterol, saturated fat, the environment, what have you, colon cancer, I am ready to answer those questions for them. And when I encourage them and invite them to consume animal proteins instead, it's like a sigh of relief. Like, oh, really? I can eat, yeah. I can eat beef again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, thank yeah. goodness. They wanted to, right? But, but again, this is the bewilderment. And I feel so, I feel so sympathetic for health consumers. Like anybody who's yeah. trying to step into health in this day and age, holy moly, like information yeah. overload. And no, that's yeah. where like a... That's where a sensible coach comes in, a trust, sensible yeah. and trustworthy coach that can answer and answer to their concerns and then give them the education to help them step into really actual health supporting behaviors that may or may not align with whatever the media and the fake news is trying to put in their brains. Yeah, yeah totally. I think that one in itself, there's so much fear around eating, uh, around eating meat and around eating animal proteins, um, like the books and the TV. What's that one? documentary that was on netflix um, cow one uh, it was about it was about the vegan based diet uh, i was super popular there's so many of them <laughs> there's okay, so many I, of them. I forget but when i first became a health coach and i told people that i was a health coach the first question i got is like oh are you a vegetarian no and that's when i was like wow like what what's making people think that way like why why would you think that a vegetarian is healthier that you have to be a vegetarian or or that meat is bad like we've always been mm -hmm. eating meat i know well in addition to my health coaching credential i went to school for a holistic nutrition diploma so yeah um and that's that's a there's a there's a credential in canada that uh it's it's, reg, it's reg, uh, registered but not regulated so it's a registered holistic nutrition credential when i was in school for that and that was brick and mortar school like i went to school for that and it was all all plant-based and i would sit yeah. in the back of the classroom and like shame eat my chicken and my tuna like i'm so that's interesting though but what i'm finding more i don't know if you're finding this guys but um now when people come to me they're not asking me if i'm plant-based they're asking me if i'm keto <laughs> it's like keto. nope yeah. i'm not that either yeah well, yeah, I know that's a big one. It's like, what about keto? Or often, yeah, everything is kind of like measured off against keto. Like, can I, can I eat that? Because it's not keto. <laughs> it's yeah. the, new, the new trend, I guess. It is. But there's just, again, there's complete confusion about what that is. I had this conversation last night with my neighbor who was like, tell me about keto. I hear it's really good for, for fat loss. I'm like, that's not how it works. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm not even going to get into this with you. It's like ketones are a byproduct of fat loss, of fat mobilization. They don't create that mobile. Anyways, yeah. Um, I, I so, think, yeah. Sorry. I, I think okay. it is more of a lifestyle than it is a, a eating plan. Like if, yeah. you're, if you're metabolically efficient enough, then you can probably go keto. If you're trying to go keto by losing weight or overcome health condition, that's definitely not the most effective way to do it. Yeah, I I'm totally on board with like an efficient metabolism that can run ketones. In fact, my, my answer usually when people say, what do you think about keto is like, listen, I think ketones are a super cool fuel source and people should know, people should know how to use them. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my answer. I like ketones. Ketones are good. A body that can use them is a really efficient body. 
Yeah. Um, but nobody ever talks about it like that. Oh, it's like a high fat diet, right? It's like, oh, anyway. So yeah. that's kind of yeah. become the yeah. new, the new thing that I'm up against, but I like, I won't be a keto coach. If somebody comes to me because they want to go keto, it's like, well, I'm not your girl, but good news. There's a million yeah. other people yeah. who are doing that. So you're, you're, you're in luck. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Especially if you try to go keto without like addressing, um, you know, the life lifestyle habits, the stress and, you know, the, the, uh, intense workouts and that kind of stuff like it's going to be very hard to go keto mm-hmm. and in fact it'll be, probably become detrimental trying to go keto because your body's just getting another stress that's right so the awesome. third third thing i see people do a lot now this is probably because of my target audience um i have a couple different target audiences like a couple different sort of avatar clients but right here's a really random specific group of clients that i have is group fitness instructors hear me out so these are people who get up in front of a room and teach hour-long fitness classes um moderate to high intensity right mm-hmm. fitness classes in the gym so spin classes uh body pump classes whatever zumba anything like that those are the people so i'm one of those i do that that's something that i do yeah. and uh, i've done it for my whole life i i probably always will do it i love it it's I love getting up in front of a room full of like 50, 60 people and just getting them moving. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a good fitness experience, right? It among, there's other things you should be doing in the gym, but for me, that's like, that's, that's pretty fun. That's a portion of what I do for my exercise. But anyway, a lot of my peers, my fitness instructor peers are finding that the more classes they teach, the fatter they get. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> yep. I know why that is. And I had the exact same experience. That's the start of my health transformation story is like, man, I was teaching 16 fitness classes a week and gaining weight. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. So there's a lot of things. There's a lot of moving pieces there. Obviously, there's the whole you can't out train a bad diet thing where yeah. when you when you go to the gym and you teach two hours of fitness classes back to back or three hours, sometimes mm-hmm. you feel pretty much like you've earned nachos and beer. Like you're like, oh, calorically. I'm yeah. so in the negative right now. Let's go yeah. and throw it down. Let's get some and, glycogen. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's yeah. Yeah. All about that glycogen in the nachos. Um, yeah. But you know, you it's this mentality that like it's the, the earn and burn philosophy of like calorically earning and burning. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well I'm for sure in a caloric deficit so I can go out and have these treats. And to a certain point, the body is okay with that. But then there's a point where it's like, no, honey, it doesn't work that way. So there's that piece. A lot of fitness instructors um, over treat themselves because yeah. they've, they've actually physically pushed their bodies to kind of a glycolytic level for far too long, yeah. far too long. We're not meant to be working at that intensity for that duration of time. Anyway, mm-hmm. the other piece is just what I finished saying is, is this whole idea around the, the, the stress load of that type of training. And this is a hard concept for people to grasp. It's like, look, we're actually not meant to work at this moderate to high level of intensity for two hours. That is so yeah. out of alignment yeah. with mm-hmm. our, our, our physiology. Um, so I, what I'll tell my group fitness, my group fitness instructors is like, I'm going to need you to teach less. I'm going to need you to go for more walks. I'm going to need you to get into the weight room. Yeah. And that's difficult because it's like, but I make, this is how I make my money. It's part of it's my part-time job. I earn money. I, you know, I need it. And then there's also the, I'm going to get fat if I don't teach 15 classes a week. It's like, you are getting yeah. fat. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. making you fat, mm-hmm. but that's such a mind F. Like you're telling me if I exercise less, I'm going to be leaner. It's like, yep. Yeah. Nobody it's, can grasp that concept. Yeah. It's, it, it's on, it is hard. Like um, I think we should do a whole episode on that alone because that is so important. 
And I know when I first uh, discovered the primal endurance, that's what the primal endurance is all about. It was hard for me to, to do that. It was hard to make myself slow down. But I noticed very quickly that I felt much better. I was stronger and faster by doing it. And I didn't feel completely wiped after my workouts. Yeah. But I think, I think the biggest hang up with it is, uh, or maybe not the best word for it, but the biggest thing with this, you know, the endorphins that you get from doing that. And mm-hmm. that's, I think that's the addictive part. Well, along with craving ice cream and then earning it after that's addictive as well. But just the endorphin rush from doing that is, uh, I think what people get addicted to the most. And they're like, yeah, it's so good. I need that. Yeah, I can relate to that. And that's why I still do it. You know, that's why that's my, sh- my paleo primal shame is like, Ooh, I'm Aaron and I do chronic cardio, that's, but that's, that's, I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's like, Ooh, but yeah. I just, I just minimize it and I support it with other things. Yeah. That's you can do, you can, it's not a big deal. You can, you can do chronic cardio. Yes. You can do a spin glass. It's not a big deal, but just support yeah. it with yeah. other healthy movement styles. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta make sure that you have the baseline movements in still once in a while, like know how to go for a walk <laughs> Yes. And, and warm up properly. Like, I think you can just, you can get, get over that a lot by just doing that. Mm-hmm. You get those baseline systems actually working. Yeah. Awesome. Well, how do you work with people? Hmm. Woo. All right. Well, I have, um, I have what I call like a flagship program. I've over the last several years, I've had a lot of different programs, but this is the one I have now. It's my favorite. I think I'm going to stick with it. I think it's going to be my program. It's an eight week program. Yeah. Eight weeks long. And it is, I call it metabolic therapy. So this is where you get into like really, you know, it's really a good idea to sort of niche yourself down as, as tightly as possible. Like what, what piece of an ancestral health template do I work in? Because here's the deal. I, my clients don't know that they want to go paleo. (laughs) They're like, I need a paleo. I need a primal health coach. It's like, they don't know that that's what they need. They know that they're gaining weight, unable to lose weight. They have no energy. They're, they're getting this abdominal weight gain. Like they're metabolically on the spectrum from, for metabolic um, syndrome, basically. Mm -hmm. And they want to get ahead of that. So my clients aren't, they're not like sick people, but there are people whose needle is moving toward whatever it might be, diabetes, obesity, heart disease, any of those metabolic syndrome type diseases. Yeah. So there are people like in their forties or getting that 40 year old spread. And they're like, what's going on? I'm still pretty active. I still eat pretty well. I hear this all the time. I'm pretty active. I eat pretty well. I don't know what's going on. It's like, I totally get it. So I call it metabolic therapy. And between us, guys uh really all i'm doing in those eight weeks is getting them fat adapted and potentially keto adapted mm-hmm. um but then there's also layers like i talked about on this call to connecting back to hunger and satiety that's i think a really important um brain game to, to play with people uh tapping into intuition like ultimately when they leave i want them to understand what food support them so in the eight weeks that we spend together i do a really deep intake where i get a sense of um you know just like any kind of intake form, like, you know, how are you living? How are you eating? How are you sleeping? How are you moving? Who are you? Tell me about you. Um, Now my, yeah, my, my practice, because I have this additional credential. um, Although the credential that I have additionally, it doesn't have much of a broader scope of practice than any other like scope of practice. Don't get me started on that. But like 
there's a tool that we use as registered holistic nutritionist called symptomatology. And all this is, is the client self-assesses them on a giant list of symptoms. Like when I talk about symptoms, I'm talking like headaches, sore knees, acne, uh, mood swings. It's just like things people are dealing with. Okay. So they go through and they rank themselves. And then the, cl the clusters of symptoms that show up kind of shore up to body systems. So we could find clusters of symptoms that really shows up, uh, shows up to like gut dysbiosis, or this cluster symptom suggests maybe a sluggish thyroid. We can't diagnose, I'm not diagnosing somebody with Hashimoto's, but I can say, right. oh, it's like yeah, a thyroid yeah. function. It Some just gives us a, yeah, yeah, it's just the symptoms. And the, because the client is self-reporting them, it's, I'm not, there's no diagnostic element here because health coaches can't do that. Mm -hmm. um, the, co the client is just telling me how they feel. And that right. can relate to certain body systems. So then I know how to take my ancestral approach and apply it to them. It's like, okay, your guts, your gut dysbiosis scores came up really high. So what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to explain to you what that means. It means that we've got an imbalance of gut bugs, bad gut bugs are up, the good gut bugs are down. I go really, I go so simple with the science with my clients. Like I do puppet shows basically with them, Yeah, yeah. you know, cause they don't care about science at all. Mm -hmm. They just want to feel better. So I'll explain what gut dysbiosis is, for example, and how this eating strategy supports it. So here's why I took away this. Here's why I'm encouraging you to eat that. And here's how it supports your current scores for gut dysbiosis. Yeah. As soon as you can connect the dots like that for people, instead of just saying, stop eating grains, because I said so, you say, mm -hmm. so the grains have these anti-nutrients in them, which are affecting your gut health and causing like a leaky gut situation. I'll explain what leaky gut is. That's causing an imbalance in your gut bacteria and the high carbohydrate diet you're eating is feeding that bad bacteria, just causing them to like overpopulate. So what we're going to do is bring down your carbohydrate a little bit. We're going to take those grains away so you can heal your gut. So those bad gut bugs can get starved out a little bit. Blah, right. And then I've given them a reason why I took away grains and why I'm asking them to, you yeah. can't just tell people to do stuff. hundred percent. So, I fully agree with you. And I bet you notice that they now know why they shouldn't be eating bread other than my coach said I shouldn't do it. Exactly. You got to get them to hook into like how this is going to actually benefit them. And that's why, that's why meal plans don't work. And that's why, that's why there's a thousand, well, a million diet books on the bookshelf at the bookstore because people keep buying them thinking it's going to help them. But what's really going to help them is knowledge and support. Yeah. So I do, I drop the knowledge when somebody onboards with me, I spend 90 minutes on the phone in that first session saying, here's what came out of your intake form. And here's how my program is going to support you. Just in kind of like that example I gave you. Okay. And then following that, I mean, the program has a foods to use list, a foods to lose list. So you can yeah. eat these, candy, these. I don't care how you put them. I don't care what recipes you make. I don't do recipes. That's not my thing. There's a trillion billion of them on the internet. So go Googling it. Um, I don't do meal plans. They don't work, but I do provide a sample meal plan. Yeah. And the reason I provide a sample meal plan is because I want to give people the snapshot of that thing I talked about earlier with like the front loading of your feeding. I'm like, I want you to open your feeding day with a substantial meal. And here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about four eggs and a clean pork sausage and some roasted broccoli. And yeah, sure. You can have your butter coffee if you want to put all that food in front of you in the morning or in your first hunger of the day and, and eat as much of it as you can. Maybe you won't yeah. eat it all. I don't care. You don't have to eat it all. Eat until you're yeah. satiated, push mm -hmm. the plate away experience how long you can go until your next hunger kicks in mm -hmm. it's really eye-opening for people so i offer them that and then the final ingredient truthfully is the coaching so yeah. every week for eight weeks you're getting on the phone with me and you're going to tell me what went well what great breakthroughs are you having and they'll tell me what 
and it could be anything. It could be anything at all. I had a, I had a good night's sleep for the first time in memory, whatever it might be. Um, I'm enjoying food for the first time in a long time. I feel more energe- energetic. It could be anything at all. Yeah, we yeah. celebrate those. We celebrate those. Mm-hmm. We come up with the struggles. What what didn't work for you? And it, the struggles could be, well, I'm sick of eggs. <laughs> or it could be, I had this meeting all day at work and they brought in sandwiches. And it's like, great. That probably happens to you quite a lot where you have to go to work, meetings at work and they always bring in sandwiches. So let's, let's work out how to strategize that. So yeah. the next yeah. time you go into a meeting, because this is a reality of your life and there's sandwiches, what are you going to do? You know, and there's tons of strategies you could do there. Specifically, you could just take all the meat off the sandwiches, which is what I used to do when I worked. I had to go to meetings all the time. I'd be like, I'd yeah. take like eight sandwiches, pull all the meat off and throw the bread away. And I was like, I don't care. I'm eating this meat. You guys can fend for yourselves. Um, the other, there's other strategies there too, right? But it's like what we have to give our clients, and this is, we're coming around again to this, is knowledge and intuition so that when they graduate from our care and like three months down the line, they're in a meeting again and their sandwiches, they're like, oh, I, I can handle this. This is not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's, I spend a ton of time with people. Like, tell me about your life. What, like, mm-hmm. I travel a lot for work. I'm a busy mom. I'm dead. Everybody's got their things going on. Yeah. You know, and we have to help, we have to help them figure out how to fit this ancestral health template into their lives. So just to kind of finish this thought, um, I met, I kind of touched on the scope of practice a second ago, scope of practice for health coaches prevents us from giving individualized meal plans. And by the way, I don't want to do that because it's too much work. Yeah, uh, yeah. We can't. So everybody who comes into my care gets the same food list. Obviously, here's the same food list. Here's the same. I want everybody to eat the same. It's human food. So just eat it. Yeah. But the piece that we can customize in a manner of speaking is like, okay, but how does this cookie cutter template, if you will, fit into your life? Yeah. That's the piece that we have the ability to massage. That's just coaching. Just Mm -hmm. that's coaching. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, I... uh... That's cool. So is it like mostly virtual that you work with people then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't um I don't do any in-person work uh because that nobody has time for that. I don't have yeah. even like I would say half I would say maybe a third of my clients are in my phys- my city. Um yeah. the rest of them are everywhere in the world. Yeah. And even the people who live in my city are like, "Yeah, we'll just do a, we'll just do a Zoom or we'll do a phone call." Because it has to be nimble as well. If it becomes if it becomes a fussy relationship, or like I need you to show up at my office or whatever every Wednesday at one p.m., eventually that's not going to work for them. Yeah. Or you know, yeah. trying to coordinate schedules to meet at a coffee shop, and it's like, no, yeah. I don't have that kind of time. You don't have that kind of time. We want to make this whole thing not a big deal, right? That's yeah. my phrase, my catchphrase. Yeah. So let's All just right. jump on the phone. Let's jump on the phone, yeah. and people like it. Yeah. And keep keep it low stress, obviously, because mm-hmm. they're already implementing all these new things that are going to be uh, a little bit of a, a reach for them sometimes. So yeah, that's cool. I like that. So one more question before we wrap up is: What is one thing that someone can start doing daily that's easy, that's uh, that's sustainable, that that's going to move their how they feel or how their health markers? What's like one thing that you could recommend? So on my, you know, on your website, how you have the um the lead gen, the opt-in thing, the little okay, free, nice. free gift, right? So mine is a PDF. Yeah. It's eight simple rules because my, my, my eight week program is called eight weeks to effortless. And I've got these eight simple rules to effortless metabolic health. 
so there's eight of them on there, but if I had to pick my one favorite rule of those eight that I think everybody benefits from is prioritize protein. Awesome. When you, when you're hungry, whatever you eat, if it's a meal or a snack or whatever you want to call it, guess, get some protein in front of you and see how your hunger is answered by that. And then you have that full experience. Like I was hungry. I had some like nice clean salami as a snack or whatever. And boy, I didn't eat very much of it. And I was feeling, I really managed my hunger, whatever. Prioritize protein, see how that influences your hunger. Yes. Uh, While also keeping your blood sugar really nice and stable. Yeah. Awesome. So prioritize protein. That's, that's very easy. I think for anyone to do. Yeah. You'd think, I think it's easy for us. We probably think, oh yeah, obviously, but when people get into snack mode, they're like, Ooh, I want something crunchy. Ooh, I want something salty. Well, try meat. <laughs> it's not crunchy, but it can be salty. Yeah. It'll, it'll satisfy everything for you. Yeah. Awesome. So um, can we let people know like where we can find you and what, what was your website? Eatsimple.ca. Simple.ca. And that's where we can find the download, Kate. And yeah, what you are- get that download. Awesome. And where all are you active on social media? I've been really active on Instagram lately, much to my chagrin. And uh, my handle there is at eat.simple.aaron, eat simple Aaron. Uh, on Facebook, I don't remember. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's, I want to say it's eatsimple.ca on Facebook. So forward slash eatsimple.ca on Facebook. Okay. Uh, and that's the only two social platforms I play on because I don't got time for anything else. And awesome. plus EMFs. And the, yeah, totally. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Mitigate the stimulation. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll be sure to include those in the show notes. And uh, that's it for today. Thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. That has been fun. Awesome. Have a great day, Aaron. Thank you. Cool. I love it. That was a good podcast. Tune in next time for more Primal Conversations. Thank you.